Chapter 14 A Sunday Times Top 100 Best Company to Work For You have to be a great place to work to enable you to become a great company to deal with. You have to look after your people so that they look after your customers. Most good employees work at 80% capacity. Engaged employees get towards 100%. At Sewell Group, that is 100 more people on the payroll at no extra cost, making this fluffy engagement stuff of real bottom line importance. Organisations are now in a competition to attract and retain the best talents as much as being in competition for customers. And to win the war for talent, you must be a home for talent. These truths are finally and belatedly being accepted in 21st century business. The Humberside Training and Enterprise Council, or Humberside Tech, had really helped us to modernise and grow in the 90s as the NFBTE and the CITB had in the 80s. So, when they encouraged us to engage in what was then the new Investor in People standard, we were happy to be one of their pioneers. I thought it would be a point of difference in the marketplace and they knew that they were pushing at an open door with us and particularly with me. The process dictated that we had to have an overarching mission and aspiration and we decided that this was to be a strapline of us being Premier League at what we did and therefore how we were perceived. This was of course inspired by the new setup in top English professional football at that time and it suited us for we might not have been the biggest and we did lose on occasion but our state of being was to be at the highest and most respected level. This worked well, as did how we formalised and shared our business plan with our people. So we gained and retained the IIP standard pretty easily, even gaining the prestigious, outstanding investor in people accolade by the turn of the millennium. During the noughties, I think we freewheeled a little, resting on our laurels until we introduced a formal HR function into the company through Dennis's daughter Rachel coming into the family business with an HR degree after initial work experience with Fabergé. Rachel was the middle one of Dennis's three kids and maybe it was this that gave her her dedicated work ethic and we got on immediately. I had always felt a little bit on my own with regard to the people thing at the company but with the arrival of Simon Davison and then Rachel, we regained momentum, particularly when they mentioned best companies to me. They explained that, although Investors in People was good, it was not the pinnacle or blue ribbon as far as HR was concerned. The biggest accolade here was an appearance in the Sunday Times 100 Best Companies to Work For, run for the newspaper by an organisation called Best Companies. For a couple of grand, Simon and Rachel said, we put in a submission on how we do the people thing. Then they carry out a comprehensive, counterintuitive survey of all staff to see what's really going on. They wanted us to have a crack to see where we stood with the best, identify the gaps and hence produce a work plan to close and negate them. I agreed that comparing yourself with the best is always the thing to do. So in the autumn of 2008, we set out on the journey 
without any plan or preparation, just to let best companies examine us exactly as we were. I shall never forget the October phone call from an excited Rachel. I cannot believe it. We're up there as a three-star company, she said. Three stars means that we are just not good, but an extraordinary place to work. Unbelievable. I agreed, but was stunned into silence, so she carried on. We now have a trip down to London to receive the Sunday Times trophy and see where we are in the top 100 in the country. I couldn't believe it either and gladly stumped up for a very expensive table for 10 at the swankiest dinner of the year. In typical Sewell fashion, attendees were not only directors but involved engaged staff who had made a difference as voted for in our Sewell Convention Star Awards held the third week of every January. When we entered the event centre in Battersea Park that night, it was evident that it was an awards dinner like no other. The scale, the glitz and gravitas can be replicated elsewhere, but not the company you are amongst, and that impressive Sunday Times Top 100 Best Companies to Work For trophy, which was on your table waiting for you, meant that everyone knew from the off that they were winners, and amongst winners, in a very elite gathering. The climax of the evening was the dramatic pick-of-the-pop-style countdown from 100 to 1. Excited and expectant people were all around, emotions spilling over in starbursts of recognition and celebration from random tables all over the huge auditorium. In 2009, our first year, I had limited expectations. We were innocents in this world, feeling privileged just to be part of it, and so I would have been happy with an entry somewhere in the 90s. But it didn't come. No Sewell Group to be heard. 89, 88, 87, 86, the slick showbiz voiceover ignored us in the 80s too. The 70s went quickly with recognisable names, but not ours. 73, 72, 71. 65, 64, 63, 62, 61. I was now fearing mistake and we were not going to be there at all. 53, 52, 51, 50, 49, 48. Top 50 for Christ's sake, this is unreal. And then, at 45, it's the Sewell Group. An outpouring of relief and then joy around our table, just like the final whistle in a cup final when you realise the trophy is yours and all the hard work and sacrifice has been worthwhile. The magic secret of this best company's extravaganza is that 99 other teams are feeling the same and this makes the atmosphere uniquely joyful, with energy levels up in the rafters of the huge shed that is the Battersea Evolution. When the Sunday Times came up to Hull to interview me, I met their reporter and photographer in our Skills Academy on the site of what was to become the Wilberforce Health Centre. It was a memorable morning, because our mischievous site engineer Steve Wilson had made a passable replica of a second World War bomb, the type that had rained down upon Hull in the early 1940s, with anybody subsequently building in the city centre 
having to be super sensitive while working in the ground. Steve placed his creation carefully in an external drainage excavation and then went up into the office of site manager Mark Dodgson. You need to come and see this bus, he said in a concerned tone. They walked across the muddy site to where the torn earth of the drainage trench was starting a manhole excavation. What do we think of this, Steve said, probably too calmly. The site manager did indeed panic. Jesus, you clear the site, get everybody off now, I'll call 999. He was already making his way into his office. Mark, Mark, Steve was shouting at his back, forcing him to eventually stop and turned around to see his engineer standing upright, cradling the bomb in his outstretched arms. I'll go sling this into the skip and get the digger going again. You ring the army bomb disposal. What? Mark shrieked, still not realising he'd been seriously had. By the time I arrived, he had been made aware of the prank. He hid his embarrassment really well, from me at least. I think the guys from the Sunday Times found it pretty funny too, finding us to be a relaxed outfit, people with human beings rather than automatons. I explained that when I was a footballer and the manager came into the dressing room at half-time or full-time to berate us and tell us where we had been going wrong or even to congratulate us and tell us what we had done right, I always felt it was more about him than the players. I hence resolved that if I ever were to ascend to such a position, I would listen intently to my players to get their buy-in. The headline in the Sunday Times magazine became Hull Company Boss Gives His People A Good Listening To as opposed to A Good Talking To, which I thought they got spot on. Listening is a key core skill for any leader, precipitated by the big key questions of either what do you think and what can I do to help? You can imagine how we felt at the following year's awards in 2010 when we knew what to expect and there still had been no mention of Sewell until the countdown had reached single figures. Top 10? This is ridiculous. There has to be a mistake this time. Number 8? Our table was almost too stunned to celebrate. No company from Hull had ever been in this listing, and this year there were only two others from Yorkshire. Little old Sewell from little old Hull in the frozen north were only in the top 10 places to work in the country. Surreal. The 2011 countdown had not mentioned Sewell by the time it had got to eight, and I have to admit to daring to dream. But this lasted only a second, as we were announced as being at seven. Fabulous, unforgettable and brand enhancing in the extreme but that night I decided we had to stop. We had a host of Sewell people waiting on tenterhooks in Hull for the news being relayed real time by text and then needed to prepare for the civic reception given to all of our people by the right worshipful, the Lord Mayor of Hull at the Guild Hall the following week. It was a lovely event with an officer unfurling a long piece of paper with Hull for a change at the top rather near the bottom of the listing, as was the case in most things for the city back then. My company being responsible for the symbolic and theatrical inverting of the long piece of paper was a proud moment for us, 
but this was to become a bit of a thing with an unhealthy and unhelpful aspect to it, as have any league tables, for schools especially. This was, after all, an enabler rather than anything to do with our actual products or services, for which I much preferred us to be famous. Our elevation into the top 10 got Rachel and I an invitation to go for lunch with the founder, Mr Best Company's Jonathan Austin. This charming man explained that he had been part of forming the fortune listing of the best places to work in the United States and told us how the Americans had gone overboard with it, as they do. The only problem being that an argument had broken out as to who had the original idea and therefore the rights and he was getting sued to the point where bankruptcy was a possibility. Fortunately, he bumped into the owner of the Sunday Times who, when he heard the story, said, if you think our core function is creating a newspaper, you would be wrong. It is, in fact, defending lawsuits. I have an office full of lawyers who will defend this view on the understanding that you bring it over to England and we make it the Sunday Times top places to work. So there you have it, from the horse's mouth. Another thing this wise horse advised was how this type of rapid expansion we were experiencing can dilute a culture and hence create engagement problems, and to be wary and forewarned. We agreed that as organisations grow, they tend to bulk up, slow down, and become necessarily more bureaucratic. The middle management layer gets thicker and more populous, creating a tyranny of middle management, which, which can filter messages downwards from leadership, as well as up from the grassroots. The antidote to this being leaders who skip level middle management to listen directly to the voice from the grassroots. I was pleased to reveal that I had always done this via my back to the floor walkabouts, but admitted that a new generation of leaders was emerging at Sewell and I was getting out of their way and thereby doing less of it. He looked at me quizzically and I knew he meant be careful. You can therefore understand that when, in 2017, Rachel's successor, the impressive Becky Outybridge, suggested that we return to the Best Companies arena as an organisation that had doubled in size since we'd last appeared in 2011, I was a little hesitant. She wanted the data to work on just as Rachel had done, but I was concerned about our brand, which by now was Yorkshire-wide. I need not have worried, for in a testament to the strength of our culture and the quality of our distributed leadership, we retained our three-star status as an extraordinary place to work and secured spot 23 in the Sunday Times listing. The special thing about another special night in Battersea was the surprise of being recognised for a special award. During Jonathan Austin's eulogy, I must have been mildly distracted for I didn't think he was talking about us. It was only when he got round to saying the way they facilitated and encouraged all of their people to fully engage in their community's UK City of Culture celebrations makes it easy to make this special award for innovation and engagement to the Sewell Group of Hull. There was embarrassment when both our host and I expected to be joined on stage by our full team from the table only to find myself walking down the longest catwalk in Europe, all on my own. 
I stopped halfway, turned round, and realising I was alone, asked my team for some company to share the moments. There was no reaction. Another few paces and I turned again, to once more ask for some support. Nothing. Fearing this could turn into the UK City of Culture pantomime, I decided to press on. After what seemed like an age, I finally reached the main stage to be welcomed by the presentation party, whom I noticed were distracted. Some of the audience were laughing. I turned for a third time to look down the catwalk and discovered why. Our Becky had made the decision to deservedly share the spotlight far too late and was running down the catwalk after me, but some 20 metres behind. I was so afraid that she would tumble off the narrow walkway into a crowd of diners that I couldn't bear to look, so I turned back to my host and apologised, just as Basil Fawlty would for Manuel, his Spanish waiter, in the classic sitcom, Fawlty Towers. Sorry, I said to the presentation party, she's from Hull, knowing that they knew that I was too. If I say so myself, that award for the way our people engaged in Hull's UK City of Culture celebrations in 2017 was hugely appropriate and massively deserved. They practised their photography, sang in their choirs, helped create a play called Ocho about the Spanish Civil War, and also, with the help of our iconic playwright John Godber, appeared as extras in his film The Last Laugh, for which I was credited as an executive producer. Our young people painted the steps in Queen's Gardens in rainbow colours to signify our support for LGBT50 and UK Pride celebrations, as so were the main sponsors of those events, and so much more as we captured and showcased the whole year on our weekly changing billboards outside our head office. Postcards from the City of Culture, I used to call them. Our last 10 years as a three-star extraordinary place to work Five of them in the Sunday Times 100 Best Companies to Work For has not only been the greatest achievement of my career, but has prompted many people to visit us to try to discover our secret. We really welcome anybody who wants to come, but I have to tell them that there is no magic formula. Rachel used to tell the story of the first visit she hosted early in 2009 without me. It was from the managing director of an airport who was evidently so brusque and rude that Rachel thought of my well-worn phrase leadership is a solution, now tell me the problem which left her feeling that the problem had just walked into the room. With no greeting or social niceties he opened his briefcase, took out a pad and poised with a pen over it demanded that Rachel reveal what we did that they didn't. They had evidently been trying to succeed with best companies for years and couldn't even get a one star, only a one to watch rating. Rachel dutifully told him of the stuff we did and after each one he responded impatiently and indignantly with yes, we do that, until the frustration became double-sided and Rachel said, have you ever let anybody go purely on the grounds of a lack of cultural fit? The penny dropped. He put away his pad and pen, shut his briefcase and left. Rachel said he was, like many others we have hosted, just chasing the badge, 
thinking it could be achieved by initiatives and consultants, rather than the reality of building a culture through shared values and leadership. When asked over the years what are the types of things that make the difference, I respond honestly that there are hundreds of things that happen around the organisation every day. The little big things, as Tom Peters calls them in his book of the same title. I have unashamedly nicked the term. After our success in 2018, we were asked to showcase our experience during Humber Business Week and at the business day at Brillington Spa, which had succeeded the Yorkshire International Business Convention. My friend Steve Parnaby was running this now and he persuaded me to create a stand around 100 things of hundreds of things that make a Sunday Times top 100 company. With little time to ponder, I knocked up the list myself, which made its way into a little booklet and onto a snakes and ladders board on the floor of the Royal Hall in the spa. I include as an appendix the list that has been created and recounted over the last 20 years. I hope some of the points may resonate or inform, but if not, I don't mind if you skip it. I don't mind at all. You will find the list in appendix 2.